0: Welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Sonny Edom. Coming up on the show, education front and center, this time in the state of North Carolina. Also, Brittany Griner making her WNBA return after spending time in a Russian prison camp, and to the dismay of the coach, not a sellout, and dating, getting to know somebody, some questions that you might want to ask them, that's coming up on the show. But let's start out front and center. North Carolina Governor Cooper, Rory Cooper of North Carolina, has issued a state of an emergency over education. Now, what he's trying to do and what he's trying to do, now, a state of emergency is usually declared with a hurricane, a pandemic, other natural disasters or crisis events that take place. And usually what happens with a state of emergency is that a declaration will be made so that money from the federal government can be issued. California, wildfires, earthquakes, for example, have issued, uh, governors have issued state of emergencies to allow federal help to come in. And so there is a purpose, but in this case, there really is no purpose. So why would he, Governor Cooper, have a state of emergency declaration? Well, he's trying to stop the state legislature from implementing a school choice bill that would allow for parents to use taxpayer dollars to send their children to a school of their choice, including private schools, something that. We are all too familiar with a lot of states, a lot of teachers unions, a lot of teachers, a lot of different people not wanting kids to be taken out of the public schools. And we all know why. But for the state of a union or for the state of emergency for the union, you would have, you know, the president come out and make a declaration like we saw during the pandemic for the entire nation. And that came out and then was recently rescinded. Finally, Biden let it go. And then, of course, each state, the governors, will declare it. But in this case, a state of emergency over education. So what exactly does that mean and what exactly did he say? Well, this is a portion of what he said when he came out to introduce his state of emergency over education.
1: Hi, everybody. It's time to declare a state of emergency for public education in North Carolina. There's no executive order like with a hurricane or the pandemic, but it's no less important. It's clear that the Republican legislature is aiming to choke the life out of public education. I'm declaring this state of emergency because you need to know what's happening. If you care about public schools in North Carolina, It's time to take immediate action and tell them to stop the damage that will set back our schools for a generation. Here's what's happening in the next few weeks. Their private school voucher scheme will pour your tax money into private schools that are unaccountable to the public and can decide which students they want to keep out. They want to expand private school vouchers so that anyone, even a millionaire, can get taxpayer money for their children's private academy tuition. When kids leave public schools for private school, the public schools lose hundreds of millions of dollars.
0: You notice first and foremost, the emphasis of his entire minute there was based on money. Millionaires can use taxpayer-funded dollars, vouchers, scholarships, to send their kids to a private school. I didn't realize that millionaires were exempt from the same rights as everybody else. In fact, Roy Cooper, the governor, he has a net worth of over $2 million. So again, another rich person lecturing those that would benefit The most from it. And by the way, his kids have gone to private schools. So no executive order, which means nothing's going to be enforced. Uh, He talks about damage being set to schools and schools going to be set back for a generation. We'll take a look at that. Unaccountable to the public. Well, that's exactly what it becomes. Public schools lose money. Again, that's what it becomes about: money, power, and influence. So as Parents take their kids out of the failing public schools. What you get is a vacuum. People are now going to the private schools. Teacher unions are not allowed in the private schools. Private schools don't have them. So public officials, teacher unions, you name it, they lose power, they lose money, and they lose influence. And again, it goes back to teachers' unions, So what's so bad with allowing kids that a lot of them are going to come from the inner cities? A lot of them are going to be minority kids. A lot of them are going to be on the lower end of the socioeconomical spectrum. So you're talking about low income. But yet that's a bad thing, according to the governor. State of emergency is what he declares. So North Carolina Senate Bill 406 named the Choose Your School, Choose Your Future bill, would eliminate income requirements to any student that applies for a scholarship, which would then cover up to 45% of tuition at a school of the person's choice, the student's choice. So up to 45%. So it's not 100%, it's 45%. So again, Governor Roy Cooper...
1: We have more than 5,000 teacher vacancies in kindergarten through 12th grade classrooms, leaving tens of thousands of students without a qualified educator. Our students deserve good teachers. That's why instead of tax breaks for rich folks and private school vouchers, I proposed a pay raise of 18% over the next two years because our teachers deserve better pay and more respect but the legislature wants to give them neither one. In fact, the Senate has given veteran teachers a $250 raise spread over two years. 250 bucks. That's a slap in the face. And it'll make the teacher shortage worse.
0: So again, he talks about money. He talks about teacher vacancies, but we all know money and more money for teachers isn't going to solve the problem. Money alone isn't going to solve the problem. We know there's more to it, teachers leaving and these vacancies because they're sick and tired of everything else that goes on. And some people even say no amount of money will keep them in education, keep them teaching. And I got more on that coming up in a minute. He talks about throwing more money at them, 18%, whatever. Um, He talks about, how you have to be able to create an environment that allows for teachers to do their jobs. Okay. Now think about this. He became governor. He was elected governor in 2016, reelected in 2020. Okay. Now we all know through the pandemic education sucked and everything went down. Even to this day, it's still kind of ramping up again, as far as education, testing students, getting back into the classroom. So, Post-pandemic, there's still a whole lot of skewed or maybe not even real data that people look at because, again, you're making up for something that was completely out of this world, the pandemic. But let's take a look at some of the things as far as numbers go, performances, academic performances, that happened during his first term as governor. Okay, but before we do that, the key to this whole thing is the fact that North Carolina, the state legislature, now has a veto-proof majority for the Republican Party. The The governor is a Democrat. So basically, the governor has been left powerless. He's tried to veto some things like an uh, abortion ban bill, and it was overridden by the state legislature. He tried to do something else and veto it. It was overridden by the state legislature. So North Carolina and the GOP enjoy a veto-proof majority, so they can pretty much get their way. So the whole stunt is because he's powerless. He's powerless to do anything. He can veto anything he wants, but it's going to get overridden, especially something if all members of the GOP go along with it. So, again, the stunt has nothing to do with education or kids has everything to do with the lack of power that he has and therefore his lack of influence and the fact that he's trying to make a name for himself cuz he probably has grander ambitions. But again, you've got a situation that typically deals with inner city kids. You got inner city kids that are typically minority if we want to call that, them even that these days, you know, why are we call them minority kids should just be kids. And then of course, lower income So why do politicians and others want to keep kids from getting ahead and having a better life? Another question. Well, part of it's because they're just pawns in a game, a political game. A political ideology doesn't benefit the kids. It benefits those that are trying to make laws. So I'd ask you, what is wrong with having school vouchers? What is wrong with allowing kids to have the choice to go to a different school especially if they feel the one that they're going to is failing them. I mean, math proficiency in North Carolina is 41%. The National Assessment for Education and Progress, they give out, I guess, testing uh, every year for 4th grade, 8th grade, and 12th grade. Now, pre-pandemic numbers, I have here. The post-pandemic numbers, they're... Really not available, like I said, because of uh, tests not being given during that time, because there are school closures. Data is incomplete. However, every place you look, you see that the national trend is trending down. That proficiency is getting even worse. But let's take a look at it, okay? Proficiency. Remember, the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, who has just declared a state of emergency, he is... He was governor, elected in 2020. So the percentage of North Carolina students scoring at a proficient level or higher. Fourth grade reading in 2017, 39% were proficient or higher. It dropped to 36% in 2019. So as the governor enters his governor's mansion at the start of his first term, reading proficiency then begins to drop. By the end of his first term, how about eighth grade reading stayed flat 33% in 2017 and 33% in 2019. Fourth grade math went from 42% in 2017 to 41% in 2019. Again, drop of a point. Eighth grade math actually improved a little, went from 35% in 2017 to 37% in 2019. So, again, you got a little bit of movement in the positive for eighth grade math, but everything else is flat or declining. And again, that was pre pandemic. And we all know now that post pandemic, numbers are just crashing. But again, not thorough enough to, I guess, be so judgmental because you are dealing with some um, extraordinary circumstances. But what are you going to do now to rebuild those proficiencies? to regain those proficiencies, and we're starting to get to the point now where we're getting into maybe a second to third full year in the next school year coming up of kids being back in school depending on where you live. Now, again, Roy Cooper's estimated worth is about $2 million as of 2022. His primary source of income is from his father's uh, law firm, and as a politician, again, a lifelong politician. So as somebody who's been governor, now in his second term, if he really cared about schools and he really cared about education, he would have looked at these numbers and been like, we need to improve these. And he would have done that starting back in 2019. But because he's out of power, because he has a, he's facing any veto that he signs being rejected, by the state legislature, he has to do something and declare a state of emergency. Again, I ask, why is it a bad thing for kids to be able to pick and choose schools when schools are failing them? Now, math proficiency as of February 23, 2023, so two, twenty-three, twenty-three, the national math proficiency rate is thirty-eight percent. That's almost Two out of three kids failing math. So instead of focusing on math and reading, we're focused on drag queen story time, on transgender ideology, on gender affirming surgeries for elementary school kids, young kids. Those are the things that we're focusing on in this country. Not math proficiency, not reading proficiency, not educating our students, but all these other things. Why? You have to ask yourself why. What kind of nation does that to their future generation? Because on one hand, you're talking about we need to have the, save the planet. We need to adjust our living for climate change so that future generations can enjoy a planet, a healthy planet. But yet on the flip side, we're destroying our kids. So there will be no kids to enjoy a healthy planet because we're too busy aborting them. We're too busy changing their gender ideology, their gender With puberty blockers and things like that, we're too busy destroying the next generation so they're not going to be around to be able to enjoy anything that we do when it comes to saving the planet. The hypocrisy is there, and you can see it. Now, in 55 Chicago schools, the news report goes, not one student met grade-level expectations in math or reading in the year 21-22, and that's according to WirePoints, a report. Out of 649 Chicago public schools, 22 schools had zero students who met grade-level expectations in reading, while no students were proficient in math in 33 schools. In 2019, scores were only slightly better. So again, a lot of this stuff, you can't point to the pandemic and kids being out of school because it was happening before. And then the trend just got worse significantly. It took a deeper slide because of everything that went on for a couple of years. Now, statewide, Illinois had 30 schools, no students read at grade level, and in 930 schools in Illinois, only one in 10 students met math or grade level expectations. We are not educating our kids. What are we doing? And they're the ones that are supposed to take care of the older generation, our generation, when it comes for us to retire. So you have Chicago, you have Illinois, you have the nation, all below proficiency in math and reading. But yet, we probably lead the numbers that matter most students that identify as trans, students that identify as non binary students that identify as these certain woke columns, and therefore we're okay. Now Maryland, the state of Maryland, has a math proficiency of 19%. So 8 out of 10 don't even know math. Baltimore, during that same time frame as Chicago and Illinois, They have uh, 23 city schools have zero students testing proficient in math in 2022. Out of 150 public schools, 23 schools had zero students meet uh, math at grade level expectations. Only 7% of 3rd through 8th graders in Baltimore public schools met grade level expectations in math in 2022, according to the Maryland State Department of Education. One Baltimore resident commented, it sounds like these schools have now turned into essentially babysitters with no accountability. So North Carolina and North Carolina now is, I guess you could say a conservative red state, even though the governor is a Democrat, state legislature is a blue state. I mean, is uh Republicans. So that is a, uh, you know, red state, a blue state, Illinois. It shouldn't matter politics. Politics shouldn't matter. Education should not be political. It should be about educating, about getting kids to learn math, reading, maybe even some sciences. You know, what happened to the day when we had people that wanted to be scientists, businessmen? Remember when Congress, maybe not because depending on what social studies and history classes you took. But once upon a time, this country was founded on um, the founding fathers who were businessmen. They were scientists, they were teachers, they were doctors. They were all different types of people, farmers. Now everybody's a stinking lawyer. And so all they do is sit on Capitol Hill and figure out ways to manipulate laws or to create new laws to benefit themselves. So again, you have Illinois, you have Maryland, you have North Carolina. Well, to be fair, how about another red state, Nebraska? Omaha, Nebraska students, only 28% were found to be proficient in English and language arts. 20% proficient in math. So that's in the uh, the big city, not the capital, but the big city of Omaha. In the whole state, 48% of students proficient in language arts. 46% math. Again, sub 50%, half of the students don't know math or English at grade level. So it doesn't matter where you go in this country. You can be in the Midwest conservative state, liberal state down the East coast, conservative state, liberal state. Don't even forget about the West coast. We haven't even talked about it. One survey I saw said that California ranked as the absolute worst when it comes to education based on certain criteria. And that criteria included proficiency. And then also included, you know, teacher vacancies and uh, a bunch of other stuff. But, um, doesn't matter where you look, education is down all across the board. Okay, we know that. But yet when legislatures try to create an environment to benefit students, especially students that might be in the inner city, again, lower income, minority students, students that they're supposed to be crusaders for, they come out with a, Emergency declaration saying that's a bad thing. Take notice because money is going to go from the public schools, the unions, the teachers, to private schools, and that's a bad thing. Well, look at these numbers. What's the, the saying? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, if it's broke, shouldn't you fix it? And by fixing it, don't you need to change it? There's the other saying. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. If you're doing the same thing over and over and over, the exact same way, and kids are failing, maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time for competition so that teachers will step up. Now, granted, there's a lot of teachers out there that are doing very good, but there's some that are mailing it in. Let's just be honest. And inner-city kids are the ones that are suffering. Kids in public schools are suffering. Now, there's a lot more that contributes to a lack of education. Obviously, parents are a big part of it. Parents' responsibility, they need to be involved in this. But again, you have parents fighting school boards over what's being taught. School boards want to implement curriculum that parents don't want. And yet we see the numbers where nobody's proficient at anything. You have a school board in Virginia, Loudoun County, withholding AP and other honors from students because they want to prevent the hurt feelings from the students that don't perform as well. And then you've got people saying that, oh, these kids are our kids. You know, President Biden, Vice President Harris, and others are saying, oh, they're not your kids. They're our kids. They're our kids. Well, you're not treating your kids very well. By the way, they're not your kids. But again, when you look at this, nobody's treating the kids well. So parents need to step up. But again, we have a political divide in this country. And therefore, nobody, especially those in elected positions, especially if you have a liberal mindset, don't want to help the kids. Now, there's a state senator, Michaela Kavanaugh, out of Omaha. A liberal Democrat. She went to Marion High School, a Catholic college prep school in Omaha. Now, she came out against school choice for Nebraska because she apparently likes her public school. Now, I know that most public schools in Omaha, high schools, whatever, great people trying to do great things, but there is a lack. There's a lack of teachers. There's a lack of support staff. There's a lack of everything. And that goes back to a lack of expectations for students, and students don't care. So, therefore, they're failing. But here is State Senator Michaela Kavanaugh of Omaha, all in with passion for the rights of trans people.
2: We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We we love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. Trans people, we need trans people.
0: We she went on like that for three minutes trans in her public people. comments or time to be on the microphone. Now, where's that passion when it comes to education? Where's that passion when we look at the numbers in your city of Omaha, Senator Kavanaugh, and we see that only 28% were found proficient in English, 20% in math. So if we want to be really, 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 really honest and blunt, you can have trans people, but they're going to be dumb. They're not educated. They're not proficient. Now, on a side note, I don't understand why people who are pro-trans, such as Kavanaugh here, why they look at others that might be against the radicalization of an ideology that calls for the mutilation of kids. Why is it that you love trans, but people that are anti-destroying the trans people's lives against it? Hate them. Why, Why do you say they hate them? Because, again... I bring up the tattoo analogy. I know many adults got tattoos in their young adulthood life and they've gone on to regret it. So, again, how is somebody eight and nine years old who is told when to go to bed, who is told to eat their vegetables, who is told to go brush their teeth? At least you hope they're told these things by their parents. They're told when to. Stop talking in class when they're told to go to recess, when they're told to go to lunch, when they're told to walk in the halls, when they're not old enough to do a number of things such as get a driver's license, vote, drink, own a gun, etc. So these very kids that can't do any of these things, yet supposedly they're old enough to change their gender. Tell me again where there's any logic, reason, or anything common sense related to that. It's not. It's a political ideology, and by the way, I believe it's Kavanaugh's kid, one of them, one of her kids, I believe, is trans or somebody like that. There's a connection. So, again, follow the money, follow the trail, and you'll see that it's a political ideology that only benefits the people. It doesn't benefit the kids. It doesn't benefit anything. So, again, where's that passion, Kavanaugh? For education, because the people in your city, the students in your city, 8 out of 10, on the average, aren't proficient in English or math. So, in the end, politicians like Governor Cooper, state senator from Nebraska, Michaela Kavanaugh, they don't care about your child's education. This is all stunts and ploys. They only care about that woke ideology, that social ideology that ultimately hurts kids because it doesn't make them smarter so they can't get into uh, college, they can't get an education, they can't get a better life. And without a college education, without a high school, let's start without a high school education, there are a lot of jobs you can't even do without a high school education. Truck driving, over-the-road truck driving now, a lot of companies are requiring a GED or high school graduation, uh, diploma. Construction, a lot of people requiring high school level education, diploma, GED. So there's no, oh, I'm going to drop out and go do something. No, a high school education is becoming the minimum standard for a lot of companies. But yet we don't educate our kids. So not only are we going to have a problem with a bunch of uneducated adults, they're going to be unemployable. So they're only interested, these politicians, in money, power, influence, and they will do anything and everything, whatever it takes, to serve their agenda and feed that eternal lust for self that they possess, they have inside them. So you might ask yourself, why are teachers leaving the classroom and mass exodus? Well, Governor Cooper says if we throw 18% more money at them, they will stay. Really? Well, let's ask a teacher.
2: It's no surprise to anyone that we have a major teacher shortage this year teachers are walking out of schools this year at an alarming rate and you want to know why i'll tell you exactly why teachers are quitting coming home mentally physically and emotionally exhausted some teachers are coming home having endured being hit kicked bit slapped by students and we're exhausted to the point where we can't even take care of our own kids because we are so drained at the end of the day because of all the stuff we're dealing with at school this year. The kids this year, they don't know how to play with each other, they don't know how to stop playing with each other, they don't know how to sit down, be quiet, to not call their teacher's name a hundred times. We have had to reacclimate them to being in school again. Some of them haven't been in school for two years. I don't understand why we're just picking back up business as usual. We are absolutely dog tired and exhausted. We have to do something because what we're doing is not working. We got admin and district officials shouting, practice self-care while continually adding a million things to our plates. If y'all really cared about us practicing self-care, we wouldn't be made to feel bad when we need to take a mental health day or when we have to take a personal day off. I mean, you got teachers out here coming to school mentally sick, coming to school physically sick, because their admin make them feel bad if they have to miss a day because there's a teacher shortage. I shouldn't have to sacrifice my health because y'all don't have any teachers. Our prep time is gone because there's a teacher shortage and a substitute teacher shortage. So nine times out of 10, we are having to cover a class during our prep period. So when am I supposed to lesson plan, grade these papers, get prepared for teacher observations? And I don't even know why y'all are still doing teacher observations. We've got kids missing an entire class period, missing the first part of class because they didn't have a bus driver to come pick them up because of the bus driver shortage. We got kids missing class and we got parents that are upset with us as their teacher that they weren't in class. I can't control that they didn't have a bus driver to come pick them up. But all of these shortages, they are affecting these students' education this year. How do you expect us to teach and get our kids on grade level when half of our class is late because they didn't have a bus driver? And last but not least, teacher pay. Now more than ever, teachers are looking for a way to leave education. Like exit stage left immediately. The situation is that dire. There are a lot more jobs that pay way better than education, and you don't have to deal with crazy parents and power-hungry admin or district officials that have not seen the broad side of a classroom in about 20 years. The sad reality is there are so many teachers in this country that can't afford to pay their bills because they make so little money being in education. I mean, the amount of teachers that have to work a second job just to be able to pay their bills, astronomical. So a lot of teachers are starting to realize the pay plus the amount of stress that we have to deal
0: with, not worth it anymore. It's not worth it anymore. So Roy Cooper, you can throw 18% more money at them, but that doesn't solve other problems such as bad parents, administrators, district officials that cause so much problem for these teachers that teachers can probably go make more money than the 18% you're offering and not deal with all the headaches that come with what this teacher just said. And nothing has changed since she made that video. It goes on and on and on. So, yeah, again, tell me where Cooper, North Carolina governor, a state of emergency because you have no control, no power anymore because the veto-proof majority want to incorporate a change at the academic level and allow people to choose what school they go to. You want to talk about systemic failure, In an institution, it's education. Again, there's good teachers, good school districts, good principals, good everybody. Not one size fits all. We talk about that. But on a whole, look at the numbers. Maryland, Nebraska, Illinois, North Carolina. Look at any state and you'll see proficiency levels way down and it's a systemic problem that needs to be changed. Now, Brittany Greiner, you may know her from her time in a uh, Russian prison camp. She went to Russia, smuggled in some cannabis vape cartridges, got arrested, felony, admitted to it, spent 10 months in a federal or a Russian prison camp, and then um, ended up becoming free because Biden gave up a notorious arms dealer for a WNBA player. So she's back and the Phoenix Mercury open up play the LA Sparks in Los Angeles at the crypto.co formerly known as Staples center over 10,000 people showed up, but Phoenix coach wondered why it wasn't a sellout.
2: I mean, it was, it was great, but like, honestly, come on LA. Like we didn't sell the arena for BG. Like I expected more, you know, to be honest, right? Like, it was great. It was loud, but um, how was how was it not a sellout? How was it not a sellout? Um, but
0: how was it not a sellout? Let's take a look at that. First off, in your mind, BG, as you call her, is probably more of a hero to you than other people. But that's objective, I guess you can say. But why wasn't the sellout? Well, first of all, the WNBA last year averaged about 5,700 people. Seattle Storm, they averaged the most, close to 10,000. Indiana Fever, the least, at about two to 3,000 it was. But on the average, about 5,700. The game was played in Los Angeles. The Lakers, they were still in the playoffs. So if you're going to spend money to go see opening day for the WNBA or the Lakers in the NBA conference finals or whatever they're playing you're probably going to go and watch the Lakers play not the WNBA and then Brittany Greiner is that a draw because she spent 10 months in a uh, prison camp in Russia for committing a felony was supposed to rush out and sell out 20,000 people to go see her I, I don't get it convicted felon she was freed because Biden traded an arms dealer for her. She has a history of anti-American rhetoric. So again, what's the draw to go see BG? It's not shocking that it wasn't a sellout. In fact, what's shocking is that 10,000 people went, which is I think 4,000 or so more than what typically goes to a Sparks game in Los Angeles. I think it's somewhere between six and 7,000 on the average last year. Now, Greiner did have a change of heart about the National Anthem. Remember, she was anti-National Anthem. But since she's returned from that Russian vacation, she is, quote, as saying that it hits different. Now, she respects it, apparently, but we'll see just how long that lasts. But again, why would the world stop to see B.G., Brittany Greiner, just because she was in a Russian prison camp for crimes she committed and admitted to? doesn't mean she's a hero. So heroes, heroes, my dad, a hero. He finally served his country, awarded the Silver Star for actions that saved the lives of people, not even in his platoon. And here he is describing the events that kind of led up to that.
3: Yeah, I did not know that I was going to be getting the Silver Star. And actually, uh, when I was informed by the company commander, um, Captain Theologist, who was an excellent company commander, he said that the first platoon uh, on the February 14th, Valentine's Day, when I had come up to help them get out of the ambush, because when I came up to their location, most of them were just trying to find cover and stay underneath, and so I was able to get up there and mainly get the squad leaders everything directed as, as to what they had to do and how they had to get their men, you know, positioned and fighting back. And uh, so the company commander had told me that it was the 1st platoon that had suggested I'd be nominated for that. Um, I will just mention this. My RTO, who was with me there the whole time, a young soldier, excellent soldier, always right by my side with the phone because he carried the phone. Like that day, he did not move up uh, to the 1st platoon and back to my position with me at all. At the end of the day, he apologized, he came to me and said there was just no way I could do it, that the bullets were just flying by your feet every time you were running up there and running back, and he was just kind of frozen spot, but that was fine it. Uh, so anyway, that, so it was the uh, first platoon, my understanding that, uh, asked uh, the company commander if I could be nominated for it.
0: So the first platoon, which I believe lost their lieutenant. so they were kind of leaderless in a way. But under heavy fire, so my father advancing to the first platoon, bullets all around according to his radio man. So his radio man was frozen, and communication is huge. The radio man has to be with the lieutenant because they have to communicate with whomever they're communicating with. He was frozen because of the bullets that were bouncing around my dad's feet. Okay, that's heroic. That is a hero, saving the lives. And then the other platoon is the one that put in for him to get the Silver Star. Okay, that is heroic. Spending time in a prison camp in Russia for bringing cannabis into a country, not. Other heroes, mothers and fathers who are there for their kids, heroes. First responders on a daily basis, making it so you and I can be safe, healthy, being a secure environment in this world, which is becoming more and more difficult with more and more radical ideology being implemented, defund police, et cetera. Just watch the news. You see it all the time. New York City, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, ripe with crime to the point that businesses are shutting down, leaving to the point where people, citizens, are leaving an exodus from those cities. What about grandparents and other family members who show up for their family in one way or another? Being there for them going to kids events, babysitting, you name it. What about other people in the community who volunteer? Maybe something like a special olympics, maybe after school programs, maybe they're in the mentor programs, big brother, big sister. Maybe they take care of like elderly care. Maybe they're feeding the homeless. You know, people like that, unsung heroes in our community that are out helping others and they're not looking for the glory. They're not looking to be praised. They're doing it because their heart, compassion, empathy. They understand that these people need assistance and want to be there and provide them a quality of life as best they can. Or if you want to name famous people, what about Martin Luther King Jr.? Civil rights, lost his life because of that. Or Jackie Robinson, enduring all kinds of racism to break the color barrier for Major League Baseball. Neil Armstrong. If you ever heard or read about Neil Armstrong, sure you know he was the first man to walk on the moon, but how did that come about? How did he get to become that person? What about someone like Abraham Lincoln, freeing the slaves, emancipation proclamation? What about others that have truly done things to help this country? And like I mentioned earlier, where are the people that want to be the scientists, the inventors, the next Beethoven, Bach, whatever, Picasso? Michelangelo, we don't get those anymore because we're not focusing on those things. Society doesn't elevate those people. It's the celebrities, it's the athletes, it's the influencers on social media, it's the trans ideology, it's the LGBT. Those are the type of heroes that people look to, but yet it does nothing for our country. So again, I have to ask yourself, or ask you, ask myself, ask you, what is your definition of a hero? Who are your heroes and would you go see bg just because her coach says it should be a sellout would you rather go talk to somebody or be a part of somebody that actually did something like my father like any number of these people that i mentioned makes a world of difference who you spend your time with and who you elevate not as someone that's better than you but you elevate them because you recognize a greatness in them that they did. I mean, could you imagine the lives of soldiers that might not be here had my dad not taken action? Makes you wonder. Or other people that are in similar situations as him. I mean, you probably know many people from military or police, Afghanistan, you know, more modern wars that we were in for the last 20 years that did brave things. Pat Tillman comes to mind as an American hero, giving up the NFL and its riches and glory to go serve his country and give his life. Those are the type of people that are heroes. So last time on the last podcast, we talked about uh, some dating things. Got some interesting feedback. But we talked about things like you know ghosting, cookie jarring, I guess is now a term used if you have like a side chick or a side dude, you're dating somebody, but you know, you want to have a side piece, I guess, as they call it. So you dip your hand in the cookie jar every once in a while, get a little snack on the side. Uh, they talked about things like paper clipping. Um, there was ghosting. There was a couple other things. It's in episode 163. If you want to go back and, uh, and listen to it, it's, it's toward the end of the show. It's kind of amusing, but from that, I thought, okay, well, let's let's move in that direction a little bit more, okay? So when it comes to dating, if you survive the ghosting, if you survive the paper clipping, if you survive the cookie jarring, if you survive all that stuff, and let's say you actually meet somebody that you're kind of interested in and you've gotten through all that initial nonsense, and now you're like, okay, let's kind of start moving forward on this thing, Here, according to, it was a mom's website. I forget the name of the website, but it was a mom, a mother's based website. So I think these questions might come from a female perspective. But these flirty questions, a bit naughty, will make your intentions clear to your crush. So if you feel they are comfortable with these questions, then go ahead and ask them. So you have a crush on somebody. I would imagine maybe they're crushing on you too. But here's some questions. Like the first one they suggest is, who's your first crush? I guess I would have to answer, does elementary school count? I mean, didn't we all have a crush on somebody in elementary school? Didn't everybody have a Becky in elementary school? Or Gina? Maybe not. Another question. What are you looking for in a partner? Boring. Why would you want to ask that? I know it's important, but come on. Be a little bit more creative. I remember one time I was in New Orleans. It was late at night, and I had, I was hanging out in a jazz club off of uh, Bourbon Street. I forget the exact street, but they had moved the jazz clubs, and there was somebody who uh, was working the club, and she was like, hey, do you want to come hang out with a bunch of us after hours because we go to this 24-hour diner? do some winding down. Yeah, I'll go check it out with you guys. You know, meet some of the local flavor. And so when we were talking, we were having this discussion, and one of the questions came up was, if you could bring somebody other than a family member or a close friend back from the dead, like maybe a famous person or something, who would it be? And so we had that discussion. Another one was like, if you could give advice to somebody, anybody, who would it be? You know, some of those type of questions. If you were going to be in a band with a musician, what would your like musician lineup be? You know, with famous musicians, it could be anybody, dead or alive. And so there was a lot of music because, you know, New Orleans is a music city, but it was interesting, it was fun. And you got to know people with these fun, interesting conversations. So instead of what are you looking for in a partner, maybe come up with something like if you were able to describe your partner using a famous person, who would it be? What characteristics? You know, something like that. Another one, kind of juvenile, but are you ticklish? Well, touch me, find out. Do I make you laugh? Well, if you asked me that question, I'd probably have to answer. Probably not. People know me, not really amused by others that much. Not in a bad way. It's just, it has to be really, really, really funny. To make me laugh, uh, do you think about me before you go to sleep? Well, are you next to me or someplace else? What is your idea of a perfect date? That's the type of question that a lot of people ask, right? What's the best date you've been on? Well, ask me out. I'll take you. You'll find out for yourself. Or how about this one? Total like elementary school, junior high ish. Do you like me as a friend or more? Check yes or no or maybe. Such a high school thing. That's why I think that, uh, if I remember correctly, this came from a mom's site, female perspective. Um, Which song would you dedicate to your boyfriend or girlfriend? So I believe it was my sophomore year. I was kind of seeing somebody who shall remain nameless. just started kind of seeing them. In fact, it was an interesting story because I was sitting in the library at school and some random classmate, female, came up to me and said, hey, if you could date anybody or go out with anybody, who would it be? So I just threw out a name and then a few minutes later, she came walking in, all smiles. I'm like, oh my goodness, what would I get myself into? And then I started thinking, was this like the perfect like happenstance I just happened to mention a name? that actually if somebody that actually liked me. I mean, it was a bizarre situation. So anyways, we go out for a little bit. Obviously, it didn't work out. So as it's starting to wane, the relationship, and starting to end, she gives me a, a cassette tape back in the day and says, I believe it was listened to track three. So I listened to track three, and it's Bon Jovi living on a prayer. That was my first exposure to the group. So I listened to the song. Liked it, obviously. Listened to the cassette. Played the cassette over and over and over again. Finally, I decided, well, I'd probably better give it back. So I gave it back to her and I said, yeah, I liked it. Uh, You should listen to track two. If there's anything that you could ever go back and do, they say, if you could go back in time and do anything, redo anything, what would you do? This would probably be the moment, okay? And I take it back. I think it was my junior year. Anyways, whatever. It was high school. And so uh, I gave her the cassette tape back, and I said, you should listen to track two. Bon Jovi, track three, Living on a Prayer. Oh, we're halfway there, Living on a Prayer. Tommy and Gina, we can make it. Track two, You Give Love a Bad Name. Yeah. Didn't that go over well? And I still had a couple years of high school left, and it was a smaller school. Yeah. So there you go. So make sure that you are cautious with the song that you pick. And then also, if you have a favorite song, maybe don't want to introduce it into the relationship because if it breaks up, then that song is associated with the breakup. Protect your music, people. Protect your music. Here's one that I think is kind of interesting. If they were to ask you, What do you think about my style? Well, it's very cosmopolitan with a splash of vogue. What type of personality are you attracted to? Whatever. Now, as an adult, I guess, well, I guess it's anybody these days. I guess you really can't put adulthood on it. But it's been interesting because I've talked to people And as you deal with people, especially people that date online, there's this, apparently this standard, I guess, where women are looking for something more than sex and guys, they're just looking to get laid. That's pretty much from what I understand online dating these days. Okay. So the question here, what turns you on? If a lady asks a guy what turns you on, that is basically sending them an invitation saying that you want to have sex with them. If you want to avoid that, don't ask that question. How would you like to be kissed? Again, women, don't ask guys those type of questions. Anything to do with a sexual nature because all they will hear is, oh, you want to have sex with me? That's not the question, but that's what they hear. Don't do it. And guys, don't ask the ladies how they want to be kissed. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's going to happen, she'll let you know it's going to happen. How would you describe a perfect kiss? Naturally, I'd respond, kiss me and find out, duh. What's the most romantic thing you've done in your life? Too many to name. What kind of personality do you admire? Someone who doesn't ask endless amounts of questions? If you had a previous relationship, what made you happy in it? Okay, first of all, don't talk about previous relationships because, again, it ended. So whatever it was that was good wasn't good enough to keep it going. And second of all, you're going to probably end up trying to emulate that in some capacity because you're going to think, oh, that's what that person likes. Therefore, I'm going to try to do it. But guess what? That relationship ended. And again, nobody likes to talk about prior relationships. Now, again, maybe you've been out a couple times and it comes up. Maybe you're older in life and you were married and there's a commonality. like, Hey, we're both divorced, whatever. Okay. Yeah. There's some curiosity because, hey, you know, maybe you want to find out, you know, that my life isn't as bad as yours because your marriage dissolved worse than mine. You know, whatever. But again, don't ask about previous relationships because again, these questions were based on you asking your crush or who you're crushing on these questions. Don't ask. Because they're going to come up, what if, they, what if they blow your mind and they're like, and you ask them the question, say, who, is, uh, you know, who was know your past relationship? You know How did it go? What was it? Yeah, we broke up, but I'm still not over. Boom. You just crush yourself by asking that question because they haven't gotten over their crush yet. Their other crush, which isn't you. Don't ask about private relationships. This one's a little funky. Do you have a fur toy you take to bed? We talking like a teddy bear? We talking like an adult that dresses up as a furry? Am I gonna dress up as Little Bo Peep and you be my lost sheep? Yeah, I really don't get that one. But again, be careful what you ask for because we know in this world you ask that question. I don't think hope at the bottom of Pandora's box is gonna save you because you might get something wacky nutty, especially If you met this person via the internet and you know nothing about them, do you take something furry with you to bed? And then, of course, this one, would you prefer to be called cute, hot, smart, or sexy? Duh. I'm all of them. Questions asked, questions answered. Now you know all about me. Hey, so again, as we wrap up, education. It's important. When it comes down to it, it is important. There have been so many doors that have opened up for me that would have never opened up if it was not for my education. So I'm an advocate of education. Now, education doesn't necessarily always have to be book education. It could be a practical application. It could be like what they used to call blue-collar jobs. Well, maybe you want to be a mechanic, maybe a plumber, maybe an electrician. So you're not going to go to the traditional colleges to get your education. Maybe you want to start your own business. So you become like maybe a uh, apprentice. Maybe you are an expert in something. So you become a mentor towards somebody and train them. So there's a lot of different ways education can take place. But educate yourself. Go after it. It doesn't matter where you are in life. You can always improve yourself. You can always learn something. Raise the standard. Bring out your inner greatness so you can take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. Pick those people that are truly heroic, people that have actually done things not for themselves, not to quest their lust of self, but genuinely have done it for other people that may have included a sacrifice or no publicity, no self-recognition. Idolize those people. Learn about them. Associate yourself with them. Those are the type of people that we should be calling heroes. And finally, if you're putting yourself out there and you're dating, good for you. Enjoy the ride. There's going to be the ups. There's going to be the downs. Like Aerosmith said, life's a journey, not a destination. Enjoy the flat tires. Enjoy the going topless down PCH with the ocean breeze in your face. Enjoy it all and try not to get too heartbroken and hopefully you will find the love that you are looking for. This is Two Steps Head Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Hey, check us out on our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Click the Two Steps Head Podcast logo. All of our shows pop up. On that page, which is our Rumble page, you'll see an orange bar across it. You click on that, it takes you to our SoundCloud page, which is our audio-only edition. And from our SoundCloud page, you can uh, actually download shows, take them with you on the go. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere. Um, Instagram, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. And then Basically, TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast on the internet search, and we pop up. So we're pretty much easy to find, and we are everywhere. Hey, Siri, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and we pop up. Take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and until next time, God bless.